0: Hey sports fans. Welcome to the show. It's the Greg for show and I'm your host Greg Madford live from Phoenix, Arizona coming from our factory here in North Phoenix. It is uh, Tuesday. I don't know what the date is because I really don't need to know the dates anymore for anything I do. I just kind of show up. We are here exercising one of the great American privileges of humans and rights of Americans. We're here to talk to folks who are taking a shot at getting into the power class. Uh, we've been doing this exercise now. As you guys know, I've been on the sidelines hollering for a decade. I yelled about China until I was red in the face. Ironically enough, we got a president who agreed. Um, We currently don't have a president who agrees, and we're going to work our way back to making things right again. But along this process, we've found out that our state legislatures matter in a huge way, especially when elections come into question. Our state legislatures matter Uh, when our voice is not being respected and when democracy is being undermined. Part of that along the way, uh, as we wrangle between this republic, the struggle between the state's rights, the relinquished right to the federal government and its grab for power, these enumerated rights that have fallen back to the states and the struggle that's been going on for 250 years. There are people that are the front line of that at every level. And most of us, we, we, they're on the down ballot and we're not real dialed in on what those are, unless you're like, uh, unless politics is kind of your hobby, like it is for me. So, uh, what we found out in this last cycle that a lot of us have kind of already known, but it's never been more apparent is how our state officials our state elected, uh, uh, state legislator legislators can be effective. In making sure that the national and federal is going the right way, uh, making sure that our voices are being heard. And they're the front lines and they interact directly with our attorneys general around the country. Having these folks, as much as we joke about lawyers and how many of us have disdain for uh, the kind of nitnoidy legal class in this country, when they're right headed, they are. The front line that can stop a lot of things before pitchforks in the streets are needed, and uh, to have these discussions and to pick at people who are to pick away, to pick away the layers of the onion or pick back the orange and see what fruit is there, it is a great privilege of the new kind of reporter class of Americans. You know, as the and I've talked about this before, the three legs of the American milk stool is one the electorate. We relinquish some of our inalienable human right god-given rights to a class of people that we can shift without guns and bombs every few years with an election and and then there's a third little leg called the free and independent press which is supposed to speak truth to power and that keeps the triad functioning and the wheel turns and we move forward and we now all of a sudden uh you know, there's always been the, the, the fear and the freedom people in this country and they've picked sides and they've torn at each other and there's been labor and the business sides and they've torn and pulled at each other. And, and now we have uh, uh, the intelligentsia and the uh, establishment media have sided with the ruling class because they like the parties. They want to be included in the permanent economy of Washington D.C. They don't want to be excluded from the White House press conferences. They don't want to miss out from the Lincoln Center dinners. They don't want to not get invited to the National Press Corps dinners. They don't want to miss out on all their fairy tale Disney ball gowns and cocktail parties. So they've become, they've ended up in collusion with the very people we're supposed to be skeptical of. We enumerated, you know, as the Constitution came together and we tried to get these states to ratify it. The most important thing, when they came up with the Bill of Rights, and the Bill of Rights was a cleanup. It was to get everybody else on board. And the very first thing is free speech, the right to assemble and pray. The very first thing, it wasn't the ninth on the list. It wasn't the 11th. It wasn't 26th. They didn't forget about it. It was the first one. And it's the thing being abdicated right now. And so who has stepped up? Our, our American citizens with their cell phones. And we get good and we get bad, but we get raw. And you can discern the truth if you see with context and listen and pay attention. We're seeing all sorts of politics of law, all sorts of politics of public policy, all sorts of politics of crime. We're getting to see it firsthand and judge for ourselves and be a witness, which is shocking. And uh, it's the reshuffling of information that's gone on the last 20 years so i get the extreme pleasure of sitting down with folks like our guest today is tiffany shed so everybody tiffany shed is running for uh attorney general of arizona how are you
1: i'm doing great i loved your your opening loved it (laughs) i do have a little bit of a a thought on it though When we talk about the power class and joining the power class, I think Americans need to realize that regular Americans under our Constitution are actually the power class.
0: For sure. But once you're there, you got it. Mm. I mean, once you're in power, you've got it. And what we have are a bunch of people who have stepped into power and they're not handling it responsibly. I agree. Uh, You know, my uh, parents talk to me a little bit when I was young about, you know, hey, listen, you know, my mom said, you know, you're you're really bright. You you got all kinds of options. But, you know, my dad's like, well, it's really bright, but it doesn't matter. You got to work hard. And you owe the the world back. If you've been given the gift of intelligence, you have to work and and give it back to the world. And I was like, there's responsibility with power. And I see what I see is abuse of power, and I don't see responsibility with power. And uh, I think that's what so many of us are frustrated about. You know, we don't want mommies and daddies in power. We want our citizens in power looking out for the communities they come from, not separating from us and becoming Washingtonians in the perfect economy that never fails because it's tax fair funded, right? Right. The economy goes down 30%. Washington still gets enough money for it to function. Absolutely. So, uh, listen, thanks for coming here. And I don't know much about you. Uh, on purpose, we don't talk much before the show because I like it to be as authentic and unfold naturally as as it can be. Okay. Uh, I went to website. I snooped around a little bit, found out what I could about you. And I, frankly, I don't know much about you. So where'd you grow up?
1: So I grew up in Arizona City in Eloy, Arizona. So r- rural Arizona in Pinal County and uh, went elementary school through high school, Got graduated Casa Grande Union High School and uh, you know, grew up in a community that has great people great work ethic um i wouldn't say it's an elite community and realized uh got my degree in elementary education actually went to school taught went back to my hometown taught bilingual kindergarten and uh you speak spanish i somewhat
0: so so, uh,
1: I used to speak it really well. When you say
0: bilingual kindergarten, tell me what that means. That it means, means it was
1: all in Spanish. It was
0: all Spanish <laughs> and you were, and you were trying to convert them over to English.
1: Yeah, I was teaching okay. them English so okay. that they would have the skills to be able to succeed, you know, in America, I think. So
0: A lot of places don't understand this, but this is what's going on in a lot of these border states is we have huge resources trying to go towards, you know, we spend a lot of money because the federal government doesn't protect the border, and you know, look, we're part of you know, we have a relationship with Mexico that Wyoming doesn't have, and that New York doesn't have. And uh, You know, the names of the streets, the names of the churches, the names of the, the the washes and the mountains around here. They've got a lot of Mexican, a lot of Spanish names. So we have it kind of integrated in our culture down here. And uh, when the border's not being, you know, I, I say this to defend Arizona because... You remember in the last 15 years, every time we do anything border related, California decides that they don't want to send anybody here because we've all turned into a bunch of racists. Right. And I'm like, you know, everybody down here's got a Mexican family, and we're all intermixed with each other a bunch. So, yeah,
1: we were never part of Great Britain in Arizona. We were part of Mexico. <laughs> right, and so right, right. So, it, it, it does, it influences our laws, it influences our culture. And I mean, go so, to the
0: Catholic churches around here. Yeah, right? <laughs> they're, absolutely. They're less Italian and more Mexican. Yes.
1: And, you know, we love that part of our culture, but we don't love an open border that's fueled cartels. Because they're different. I mean, those they're, are different. Yeah, things. those are two different things. Yeah. And they lump them together to a narrative that we can't secure the border. Um, in case people think a teacher's running, a kindergarten teacher's running for attorney general, I yes, do sorry, want to I cut say- you off.
0: So go ahead and finish up. So, uh, so I grew up in Eloy, like the only place I've, I was flying an aircraft through Eloy, Eloy years ago and a person went fell right next to me. Yeah, Skydive Arizona is out there. It was outside of the window, so it wasn't noted. I could fly through there, and I'm flying along, and a dude just goes whizzing by my airplane. I was like, oh.
1: Yeah, Skydive oh, Arizona is one of the.
0: That could have been bad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and,
0: so, OK, so, uh, so uh, you were a bilingual teacher down there. Yep. Next. And, give me, Tell and, me what's next.
1: And so back then, you had to get a master's to keep teaching school, and I knew I didn't want to be an administrator. So I applied to law school on a lark. Didn't study for the LSAT. Nothing. And uh, got into University of Arizona, actually did pretty well, and uh, went to law school and realized, you know, I didn't know any lawyers growing up. I wasn't in that kind of a, you know, it was more of a blue-collar mining farm kind of neighborhood, and realized as an attorney, even as a law student, it starts to kick in. You have an amazing amount of power to give a voice to those that don't have it, to stand up for people that maybe... You, they've gone through six months of trouble and you can fix it with a phone call and that you know people in rural communities people in poor communities that don't have access to expensive lawyers don't have access to justice a lot of times and it turned into you I've never liked bullies and it was a great way to stop a bully in their tracks and I think Who is that the bully? it can be anyone from the government to um, you know unethical bill collectors to a lot of times it's the government for me I've spent a career fighting the government
0: yeah I feel like the government and this is the core of so many of my beliefs I feel like the government is full of good people who are well-intentioned led by people who have an agenda and it spirals out of control and does more harm than good most of the time it shocks me it, every every time I've gotten a chance to see it in my adult professional life when the government gets involved it just it's horrible. And business owners will like, we'll pay, we'll, we'll almost pay any money we can to get out of any interaction with the government. Cause like, oh, there's no way this is gonna go well, no matter what. They don't go, oh, our bad. Oh, <laughs> we, we, our bad, it, they they just go no matter what. And at and infinitum, they don't. There's nothing- It never to, stops. Nothing to pump the brakes. No, and yeah.
1: my husband and I've built businesses. We also run a fourth generation farm and I've represented some pretty large businesses in Arizona, and realized that first of all, a lot of times government isn't in their lane. They are way out of their lane mm-hmm. and way beyond what their authority is. And, that and they... the people
0: coming in don't have any expertise in what they're
1: no, just because meddling you, with. No, just because you get a job at the government does not make you an expert. And so there's some great people that work for the government, I'm not beating up everyone. But at the same time, uh, you know, business owners, you're right, they'll do anything to get away from it, not because they're bad actors, but it's because, you know, you do one little thing and then it starts to be a nitpicking, nitpicking, nitpicking thing. And so that's one of the things that's really important to me running for attorney general is people don't realize that our office advises every state government agency. And think about that from the perspective of what is your attorney's, what are your, your the attorney general, what is their view of government? What I mean of business? What is their view of citizens? Is it do we trust Americans? Do I trust Arizonans? Or do we think that government needs to keep p- people in line? And you know, day one at the Attorney General's office, um, people are going to have to get on board on this. Is we are there to help Arizonans who are good actors stay in compliance to keep government out of their way, so that they can build businesses, donate to charities, create jobs that it's not our job to be a nanny state. And I really do have a lot of faith in the private sector and in Americans to do the right thing if they have the right information and to look at it as we are a partner. And yes, we will prosecute if you have someone that's acting criminal fraud sort of thing. But a lot of times when you're talking about state agencies and businesses, it's a compliance or we didn't know. And let's let's work together to fix this and not put a business out of business or just go down this burdensome thing where they're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees.
0: So you are uh, living down Eloy area, did school down there, master's degree, decided to, on a lark, go to law school, went to... Uh, U of A down in Tucson for law school graduated. when did you graduate? 94. Okay. And did you go into, what kind of law did you practice? Did you go to firm? Did you hang your own shingle? What'd you do?
1: So I went to what was back then the largest firm in Pinal County. I knew I didn't want to leave my hometown and, uh, they did everything from murder ones, to water rights, to business formations, to divorce, to torts, you so name full, it. It's whole whole service country yeah, shop. The whole full service okay. and got to work with some really great lawyers down there and learn pretty much, you know, you got to see everything, which where, was kind of cool. You,
0: what was your specialty?
1: So once they realized I was really good at business and water and natural resources, I got pushed over to those clients pretty fast. Okay. There's not a lot of water lawyers in Arizona. And it's a bit of a tricky area. Mm-hmm. It's one that's really important and, to and Arizona's future, yeah. and uh, and so ended up doing a lot of administrative uh, work um, dealing with federal agencies, whether it's the EPA, um, Bureau of Land Management, those kind of things, and uh, Department of Interior. What's your experience,
0: or what's your uh, what's the fingerprint they left on your soul? Uh, I've had some interactions with like EPA and some government. Environmental type uh, groups. What was your takeaway from the interactions you've had with them over the years? Just a generalization for your lay people out there watching, because this is probably pretty similar. These government, you know, they work in these big zones that a lot of times go across several states. It's not just Arizona, right? It's the Southwestern District or there's maybe, what I mean, what's EPA? You have 12 zones in the United States or something like that?
1: Right, but they're all under the same one national law.
0: Right, so tell me a little bit about, I, I'll tell you my take. I want to see what your take is on the fingerprint they left on you. What are, you, what are your thoughts on them?
1: Well, it was a, it not, was not the eye-
0: bag on them. The mission no, is no, good. but no, no,
1: right. It was an eye-opener. First of all, national laws do not fit every state. was just an example of PM10 dust issues in, in Maricopa and Pinal County. We are never going to have as little dust as Maine or Hawaii that is snow and 80 inches and So of for you
0: guys who don't know about this, just a little context, a lot of dirt roads in Arizona. It's one of the most arid places in North America. Um, and the dust turns into this fine caliche powder that floats in the air. And you can see it from an airplane or a helicopter if you're flying around. You can see every car on these country roads has a plume of dust that trails off right Uh, so i live in a county island with dirt roads and we have the same issue we all deal with it and it's nationally it's a dust problem
1: nationally it's a dust problem. here it's It's living in the desert it is and the state of arizona has agencies to make sure that you're not just polluting with dust and doing silly things but when you have a national standard the problem is and what i walked out of a career of working with big government agencies is number one they usually do not understand arizona we're arid, we're large, we're different. And number two, they have no oversight. There's no check and balance on the power. It is just sheer, straight power. And that terrifies me, uh, that anyone in the national, federal government should have that much power, and that that power can be expanded. So if, it's, if we're talking about dust or the climate, it can be used to usher in absolute socialism, And that's just one area. And so my takeaway was, number one, pretty much everything they do can be done better at a state or local level. And number two, that much power in a centralized, all-knowing, untouchable government is dangerous.
0: Bureaucrats with no checks and balances is really yeah. the challenge, right? And yeah. the court is the only yep. thing, and it's big bucks. People don't understand. I've written some checks to folks who've come at me just because I know the entry level for a lawsuit, a real lawsuit, might be one hundred fifty grand just to kind of get going, mm-hmm. you know, and actually get there, right? Uh, and then, and then the the first couple of checks you write are fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and somebody, you know, basically is trying to shake me down for twenty five thousand dollars, and at some point you just go of. Oh, this is this that it to battle against the feds is a never ending. I don't know what the rate is these days $575 an hour attorney fee, and it can go on for years and years and years. And they just. They can go on and on because they employ them full time and it's their job full time. Right. And it doesn't even have anything to do with right or justice.
1: And, and you know, from being in that background, you know, the 10th Amendment, states' rights, the fact that the federal government only has 17 enumerated powers is not lost on me. And uh, right now in Arizona, whether it's water issues, whether it's business issues, it doesn't really matter with the feds coming at us, most of the time, it's private businesses, private industries writing these enormous checks that basically are fighting to secure the rights of all Arizonans. And I think because I've been on that side of the private side of the table so long, you know, there is an absolute nexus to the rights of Arizona and also to honoring Arizona's laws. And I think it's really important, and as your next attorney general, to have the state, the full state of Arizona weighing in to push back the feds when they step over the line whether it's the epa whether it's department of interior uh you name it and instead of just letting citizens who you look and you think well that that company they're they're wealthy like they're a multi-million dollar company but when you talk about what the assets are the federal government in in lawsuits are i think it's about time the, the weight of the state of arizona defends arizonans as well
0: interesting so um I want to talk about some issues with you, but I also want to ask you about the, you know, there's two things, right? There's always issues and uh, policy, and then there's politics. So let's talk about the politics a little bit. You've got a field of maybe eight people running right now that are declared, or is it now six? What is it now?
1: There's six on the Republican side. I'm not sure on the Democrat side. I haven't been paying much attention to them, I'll be honest with you. So we've
0: basically got a year. We're inside a year now running down to what's going to be a midterms for the rest of the country, but it's where we're going to determine uh, this this position here in Arizona. Brnovich is out. He's two-term limit. This is a two-term limit office, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Uh, And the terms are, are they four years? Yes. So talk to me a little bit about the field that you're up against, where you are in that field right now. I mean, is there any sense of positioning in the field? Um, uh, just be I know it's early in it's early in the race, right? So w- the race is just starting to get right. going. W- what's the support like where you are? give me give us a sense of where you are. Okay. In the
1: field. Well, you know, I ran for Congressional district one last cycle, which turned out to be the most expensive congressional race in Arizona history. One of the top five uh, targeted races in the nation, um, over $18 million was spent statewide um, in that race. And, uh, and this a, is
0: for U.S. Congressional District 1 out of Arizona.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it was Nancy Pelosi's money against me. So some congressman that can, that won in another state can thank me for sucking up all of her money in Arizona. But
0: And who won that seat?
1: Oh, Halloran, the incumbent. Oh,
0: yeah, that's right, Tom. Yeah. Okay.
1: And, you know, because of that, you know, we ended up with about 40% statewide name ID because running in Arizona 1, which is 60% of the state, it's the big, huge rural district, Mm -hmm. we had to do full advertising in all of Maricopa County and all of Pima County. So it basically was statewide except for Mojave and Yuma, the way we had to run the race. And, you know, out of that build a statewide, you know, forty percent statewide name ID. It's like crazy high in C D one, like sixty or seventy percent. And so that is All right, a huge so advantage. Let me going pause in. for a
0: second. So for everybody watching, and one of the most important things when you run for office at the state or national level is if they do a if they just call up and randomly call a thousand people, how many of them actually know your name? Just name recognition. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons Donald Trump could walk in the way he did and you know, I was like I, I'm online, like, well, everyone says they're your friend after you're successful. I, I'm online years ago. If you go in my video archive, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be our president, and here's why. And I just went through and listed it. Name recognition is really huge. So if you're at a 40, you said you're at 40%?
1: Yeah, starting into this race. So I mean, Hopefully higher now.
0: Four out of 10 people randomly pull are familiar with the name at least, which a lot of people in these down-ballot elections go for the name they're familiar with and from the party they're comfortable with. So right.
1: So there's- and- and, our, and Donald Trump, I mean, I'm a huge Trump supporter, and that's one of the reasons I have 40% name ID. I mean, the president endorsed me. Um, he... Why do
0: you like him? Because he's the hottest thing going right now for Republican endorsements. And uh, uh, tell me, um, you know, I've, I've met him and been around his family. Why do you like him?
1: Well, there's a couple reasons. The first one is his stance on the border and the wall, number one. That's like, I will never leave him because of the wall. Okay. Um, the others, China... The fact that he reduced regulation, that he was a businessman, that he said what he thought, that I felt that he cared about regular people and not just elite, yada, yada, yada. But I live in a border trafficking route, mm-hmm. and it was no joke during the Obama holder, you know, Biden years. And we raised our family in that. I mean, I have this and again. And it's, it's worse than it's ever unbelievable. been. Unbelievable. And, you know, I was fighting it during the Obama years and people were saying that, you know, we were just a bunch of crazy farmers and ranchers. I have the endorsement, a lot of border ranchers, right. lads and bells. And, you know, here he comes, this unlikely person to understand what we, I mean, he is a unlikely. A New, New Yorker. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I like, just... you know, I used to watch The Apprentice and I like the, the fact that he fires people. Sometimes people need to be fired, but, uh, and uh, that was the first person that actually really did anything not just a political talking point point. and when he came out and he was saying you know we're going to build a wall my family was spending thousands of dollars putting fencing up around 1200 acres and right. you know building not really a wall it's more like a sad little fence but you know to keep people from driving through and just yeah. any barrier we could and then they made fun of him for it I and i think that's where you realized they don't care about families like mine they don't care that my children have, which to grow really up.
0: means anybody right. outside of L.A. and New York. That's right. what it really means, because right. your family in Pinal is just like ninety percent of America.
1: Exactly, and they didn't care that my children are having to grow up in this. That we that we're having, you wouldn't believe. I can tell you stories that'll curl your hair. That 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 was going on. They didn't care that Arizona was being ravaged by cartel and, and mass illegal immigration and he was the first one that had a plan and then it did it got a lot he did it and just did it
0: it, and and uh you know he did a lot of stuff i get goosebumps talking about it and i almost get teary-eyed he's the only guy i don't almost i get teary-eyed he's the only president i would ever catch a bullet for and i've never felt like anybody and look i'm not one of the downtrodden okay i'm not I, I'm I'm up, upper middle class and doing just fine. I've never felt disenfranchised from my nation. Me either. <laughs> and, and I don't think most of us do feel that way, but like a lot of times they're like, oh, these saps, these crazy Trump losers. That's the way we're looked at by the media. I'm like, you know, it's not really the case at all. Um, I've just never had anybody in federal office who I thought actually cared about the things that mattered to me in my life. Like for instance, um, is simple things like securing the state that I live in because I've been watching this happen my whole life. You know, I have friends who it was kind of their hobby to go around and GPS mark bodies that they found in the desert. I know. And you know this better than I do. You've probably walked across a body in the desert or two. Um, People don't understand this in the rest of the country. They're just, there's dead bodies laying all over the desert.
1: Right. And it's- and it's Human it's, bodies. Right. We have it's the largest crazy. humanitarian crisis because of the open border and allowing cartel to do business. Right. I was speaking to a rancher um, a couple months ago, and uh, he had found uh, like a 15-year-old girl that had died of exposure. On the ranch, tall grass, no cell service. Goes where you can get cell service. Calls Border Patrol, which I don't think people realize. Border Patrol is spending an awful lot of time basically being a rescue service, right? And uh, I mean, talk about humanitarian aid organization. Yeah. And they couldn't get someone out there that night. And they said, "Can you kind of watch it, make sure you know animals?" Well, tall grass couldn't find where it was. Found her in the morning. The rancher did tell you know tell Border Patrol where to come. And she had been, her arm had been removed by scavengers. And he said the one thing he'll never get out of his mind was looking at this young arm with a Mickey Mouse watch on it that was still ticking. Mm. Now, that is an awful story to tell on your podcast. But the reason I do is because people hear immigration, they hear cartel, they don't really understand what we're talking about. And I think that if we're going to have to live with that level of violence, with that level of evil, with that level of criminality, then those stories need to be told because it will hopefully wake people up to say, this isn't about racism or not liking Mexico. I mean, they're our largest trading partner. We all wanna get along with Mexico. This is about an invasion, not of just people from Mexico. A lawlessness. lawlessness. And lawlessness. And it's, a, it's an invasion
0: of criminals in many it ways. Is.
1: And cartel is basically acting like warlords in Mexico. We're going to lose everything that's good in Mexico if we continue to allow them to go to power. Right. There's been over half a million people murdered in Mexico by cartel. Um, I do read a little bit in Spanish. and I read the Latin American newspapers because, frankly, they have better news than ours do right now. Believe it or not, more fair reporting. And there's a group of women in Sonora of mothers that have made it their... Uh, mission to look for mass cartel graves and uh, cartel containment areas, camps, and alert authorities so that families know where their missing family members are. And now cartel is targeting and, and assassinating these women for doing this. But why is that not in the American media? Because that is 90 miles from my house. Right. And I realize there's supposedly a border between there. But when we don't enforce it that comes right to us and of course it does and anything that close to our border and so this playing nice with cartel this allowing them to open you know run trafficking run drugs run fentanyl they are terrorists and the state of arizona needs to declare cartels as terrorists and use terrorist laws against anyone abating them, edit, yeah. helping them, doing it. Go for assets. Go for severe criminal penalties. And goddamn trust- these
0: fools in Washington who ignore this based on Washington politics. It's it is a uh, it, it's worse than what's going on. In anything in the Palestinian, Palestinian territory, and people don't understand there's more death going on at the border than in any year in Afghanistan during the height of the wars. Right. There's more death going on than at any year in Iraq during the height of the wars. There's hum- It's a humanitarian disaster. And the vice president, who's the head of it, hasn't been to the border. Right. The president, who is the head of it, hasn't been to the border. The Democrats who vote against it haven't mostly been to the border. It's shocking what's going on down there. And uh, and then we've got these law enforcement people who are basically trying to save life as quickly as they can and it's whack-a-mole. It's the biggest game of whack-a-mole that's ever existed, right? And, it, and then it's not just the people running through the desert. I was reading about uh, these people coming across the border with these bands on their wrists. Um, That they're assigned by cartels that are coming up and Mm. they mark the people and they are supposed to run and escape And then they get picked up by the cartel when they get back up here. I mean, there's a war going on Right, it's big
1: business and it's a war and you know, the level of equipment the cartel has is looks like a military to me Right, and we've got border patrol down there and this is I'm not knocking border patrol, but you look at them They've got a pistol a sidearm, you know, they look like regular in in like a regular (laughs) law enforcement You know they're out there on X points. Like left why alone. don't like why
0: don't we have helicopters running along the border, blowing up these marauder vehicles coming up from Mexico that we know they're not. We know these are cartel people because they're they're riding around in armored up vehicles and they've got guns mounted on them and they've got crew mounted guns. I mean, they're you're right. It looks it's, like a military. It
1: does. If you didn't think if you didn't know better, you would think it was a military operation. And you know, there so what, attorney- what can you do? As so, the arizona
0: attorney general Let's so, hear what you're...
1: so first of all let me just frame what i think the actual legal issue here is one of them is that when we became a state in 1912 you know when we all became states as part of the union that u.s constitution is a bit of a contract mm-hmm. in that we will become a state and we will give the federal government certain powers and duties that they have to do and one of those is guarding our border And protecting our state from foreign invasion, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Oh, you mean you mean their side of the contract?
1: Yeah, that is their side. And they are in complete breach of that contract. And so I believe that Arizona has the full right to mitigate that contract and do whatever we need to do to protect Arizona. Now, from the attorney general's point of view, I'm not gonna be your usual attorney general that just, you know, goes along to get along. I you know, it's where law, policy, and politics meet and use the office to work with the state legislature to encourage them to have Arizona declare cartel organizations as terrorists and use the terrorist laws that are on the books to really do some damage to them. would also like the Arizona legislature to put in a border zone of so many miles that if you were caught doing certain things in that border zone we can go for enhanced penalties because it's very likely cartel and border related. Um, have you then, talked
0: to any of them as you're running? Have you got Sonny Borrelli or Sonny Borelli like, endorsed
1: me. It, yeah, okay. he's great. And uh, no, actually, it's something that they're talking about as well. And, you know, the other thing, there's two more things I think that need to happen from the attorney general's point of view of pushing is right now we have county sheriffs. We've got some great ones like in Cochise County and Pinal County and and others. And they are trying to basically do border enforcement with a local law enforcement budget and jurisdictional issues, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have the Department of Public Safety who really isn't geared to be a border patrol cartel hunt down agency. And my great grandmother dated an Arizona Ranger before we were a state. And the reason we had Arizona Rangers was we had a border problem with Pancho Villa coming over and raiding and just a lot of what we're seeing the lawlessness that we're seeing in arizona now and until we cleaned it up they wouldn't let us become a state in the union and you know i think that it's time that we bring back the arizona rangers as a force that has statewide jurisdiction and make them um, elite on helping our our local law enforcement but their main thing is to go after cartel activity And also just send a message like, don't mess with Arizona. Do not mess with Arizona. We are taking this serious. If you are not going to help us, the problem with Border Patrol, the problem with National Guard is they are federal.
0: Right, they're federal control. And
1: while we might have great people working for them, and I know we do, some of the shooting coaches in our program are Border Patrol. We have friends that are Border Patrol. We see what they do they will always be at the whim of whoever is in the white house So,
0: how do you do the funding on this how do we get the funding for arizona rangers to stand them up and uh and 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 give me give me and how do you stand up a agency here in arizona i mean trump did the space force it already exists number one so it just
1: has to be funded so
0: the charter exists Mm -hmm. it's unfunded and dormant it is so you could take the charter that is currently on the books with its current legal structure And infuse cash to it, and how? And where do you get the money from?
1: Well, when we declare cartels, so first of all, let me just say this:
0: You're going to declare them as terrorists, and then you get some sort of federal funding to fight terrorism. No, 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 no,
1: no, 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 no. So first of all, let me just talk about it in the frame of first of all, our first order of business is always to protect the rights of Americans. Let me just say that number one. Okay, your right to a fair trial, due process, et cetera. That being in place. We go after, cart- because of those terrorism statutes on the books for Arizona, we can go after terrorist assets in a, in a much different, targeted way. This isn't the old RICO. This isn't the old asset forfeiture I'm talking about. And it's kind of funny because somebody said, you know how President Trump said, we'll build the wall and make Mexico pay for it? We'll fund the Arizona Rangers and make cartel pay for it. How? By seizing the amount, hundreds of thousands of dollars of money going south um, their assets going coming in and out, and and without being able to seize cartel assets, you can ask any sheriff, well, any decent sheriff in this in this state, if you cannot go for cartel assets, that's all they care about is the money. So let me all ask you a about.
0: question. I know there's there's problems because of uh, jurisdictional challenges with the Indian nations that are running big strips of the state how do you deal with the big strips of the indian nation that we know the cartels use as highways for themselves
1: and that is a jurisdictional problem for the state of arizona hopefully we can you know work with the tribal members that do want law enforcement it's not just one way on the reservations there there are differing opinions within the tribes right number one and number two we can stop it as soon as it cuts across you know on off of you know reservation land and you know this won't happen because of what we've got in washington right now but you know running for congress with 10 uh native american districts in my district we have 22 tribes in arizona Uh, my husband's native american Mm -hmm. it's something i've thought about you know the treaty that the tribes have is with the united states government and and that should be honored but that that government stops at that border we have full i believe that we have full legal rights to enforce the federal government to enforce the border, even on Indian land. So I've taken that position. The tribes that have members on both sides, we have the technology to know who those people are, to let them go back and forth. And people go back and forth across borders all the time, Mm -hmm. but we cannot allow our border to be broken. Otherwise, what does our treaty matter? Because we're not really a nation if we don't have borders to make treaties with anyone.
0: Okay. Uh, Have you thought about how, how big of a force you wanna to put together?
1: I have not worked into the logistics because I'm a firm believer in finding really good people that know what they're doing on law enforcement and mm-hmm. building a brain trust on that of what needs to be done, working with our county sheriffs, um, working with border patrol where they're allowed to work with us. Sometimes they're not allowed by mm-hmm. the president. Um, and working you know, with our law enforcement agencies to our state law enforcement agencies say what do you need how do we build this so that it's efficient helps you and really puts a dent and ties a knot in these cartel tails
0: what spooks me about the whole thing from the state level here in arizona we don't have that petrochem you know we don't have oil money here like texas does to fund some of this it takes it's a herculean lift to secure a border with personnel and uh, that's why the wall works so damn well And then uh, I've had friends, you know, former recon Marines that got out of the Marine Corps and they had some PTSD and, you know, they're on disability and their hobby became watching the border. And the stories I've heard and I've patched up bullet holes on vehicles from friends that have come into my shop back when I wasn't the size we are now. Um, The things that I've heard about the collusion of the uh, native lands law enforcement with the cartels, um, I've, you know, I know for a fact we've had eastern european uh special forces guys leading groups through with backpacks of drugs i mean people don't really understand how how legitimately combative it is and then when we have the cbp comes up and has you know i've got friends on the cbp come right up to the border and they have to stop they can't go on the indian indian nation Mm -hmm. or they can't go on this little tribal land and and that is you know it, it i don't know what the number is it's a vast majority of arizona is is native you know native lands so I, I don't know how to do it with the law enforcement i'm not calling you out on and i love the notion of it i'm just trying to figure out just as a guy who's been a ground pounder carrying a firearm trying to secure territory before uh it, it's a super challenging when the rules of engagement are so prohibitive unless you get everybody completely on board and there's money involved you well, know, the, the, the tribal, the, the, the nations are making money off this. They're not letting it happen for free.
1: Well, one of the things, you know, that's going down on down in Cochise County is Sheriff Daniels down there, um, through some money from the state legislature, has ga- basically game cameras, yeah. and it allows you to not have to patrol everywhere mm-hmm. to be more targeted. And they've had a lot of success with very little resources in that program. And so I'm not saying just man, you know, lining up people yeah. shoulder to shoulder, rangers. I'm saying yeah, help no, people with you're... those kind of things. And the other thing is we can't, you know. John Ladd is a friend, supporter. Uh, he ranches right onto the border between Naco and the San Pedro. He has the new Trump wall. His entire ranch, is, it's built the 30 foot. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. But since the Biden administration has come in and they have changed policies They're about... They're running
0: around the wall and just no, overrunning them or what?
1: Well, so during the Trump administration, they were catching 20 people. His He has 10 miles of border okay. on his ranch. Okay. They were catching 20 people per month on his ranch with that wall. They they still managed to get over it, sure. believe it or not. Sure. through it perfect. And, they, and they cut through, but it's a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, everything's penetrable. But they were getting 20 per month. They are getting... What did he tell me? A hundred per day? Right. Because of the Biden policies of pulling it off. And, you know, we have a lot of people running for governor. I pray to God we get a Republican governor. I really do. And part of the Attorney General's office is if we get a strong governor that is willing to do things to secure the border, to do things to secure our elections, to do things that we care about, is the attorney general's office is the one that defends those laws. And defends it against the federal government. Because every time we try to do something in the state, it seems to me, we have Biden saying, you can't do that, you can't change your elections, you can't do this, you have to do that. You can, really? That's not how this works. And so, you know, I'm a believer in the 10th Amendment and we are at a crisis level do i think that any of these solutions will solve the border problem with just the resources of the state of arizona absolutely not
0: well we have to change the policy in the greater body of the nation yes because it gets rid of the vacuum that pulls them here how they get here whether they strain through the fence or run around the fences that's uh logistics but if the vacuum is still here nothing at the border will stop it because clearly they'll with three mile tunnels in and run across, right? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, I've seen those you, not
0: go as well. We have to create the, you know, the, the border fence is uh, the last line of an extension of American resolve and policy. The policy has to stand in Maine. And it has to stand in Florida and Kansas. Illegals are not legal. Right. You have no status. Right. And you make it that way, it disenfranchises the notion of going anywhere that, that that's the beginning of the wall. You know, they say, oh, it's cameras, it's drones, it's this, it's that. That's, by the time that fight's going on, it's almost a losing battle. A humanitarian, it is a losing battle. You have to make the rules inside the country. You have to make it welcome to come here legally, and it's a nightmare to come here illegally, so it's not worth doing. You right. stop that. We imp- stop the payoff. Yeah, stop the impetus for it we in the, first the place. Yeah, we stop so, the
1: motivation. And But the problem is it's usually federal programs that are doing that. Right and so this is i'm
0: I'm afraid it's a boulder we can't push up the hill by ourselves in arizona what else besides the border? i I could see where your passion and your thoughts are on the border i think um tell me what else is a big issue for you
1: well federal overreach in general into every area of our lives um whether it's our parental rights whether it's how we run our elections so how do
0: we stop the government like i I, i'm i'm just i'm I'm sorry to be a, a a bit of a brute but I have these discussions with so many people who want to run for office. You know, I'm mad at Bernovich right now. I'm like, quit quit nitnoiding, Charge people. Right. Start charging people. Right. It's been a year. How many years do we have to see our country go down the toilet before somebody quits investigating and starts taking heads? My question is, do you have the but to tell the government to pound sand and get on national TV and do it? Absolutely. Because DeSantis has put a path for, is I think written a playbook for governors around the country. Governors have never been more powerful than when the government's overreaching. Right. Because they are international news when they tell the federal government to pound sand.
1: Absolutely. And Arizona should be leading the way in
0: that. I agree.
1: And regardless of whether the governor does, and I hope we get one that does, um the attorney general's office can we do not work for the governor we are a constitutional p- position on our own we work for the people of arizona independent, yeah. and you have to realize the reason i love the attorney general's office and I'm running for this position is we have a lot of tools that office has a lot of tools in the toolbox I agree. number one we can sue number two we can write attorney general's opinions number three we can gang up with the other republican attorney generals to sue in mass and block things Um, Like, why
0: weren't we in on that mask mandate lawsuit that just went down with 10 states? Why wasn't Arizona in on that?
1: That's up to the current attorney general.
0: I know. I understand. I'm just rhetorically asking the question. As Arizonans, you know, I'm like... I want my politicians to be goddamn ballers. I do not want them to be sitting in the background quietly letting their staffers field questions. I want ballers in there.
1: Well, and here's the thing, Arizona should be the tip of the spear. We have all the problems, really. And you you have the right to sue, we have all those other tools, but we also have the bully pulpit. And people may not like lawyers, but they certainly want to hear them on television and especially an attorney general. And you do I want a baller too. And the thing is, is being able to say, no, this is wrong. We don't determine constitutional rights by polling. Constitutional rights are constitutional rights. Right. The federal government has no authority, moral or legal, to do mandates to shut down our state. It's never been done. It's not legal. And, and, and the attorney general's office needs to provide air cover to citizens in Arizona and to, to stop it. Just hit it hard. So let's talk hit about it this. Hard.
0: Let's say, uh, who is that ding dong? I can't stand uh, the Democrat one that was in uh, jamming everybody up. I hate even saying her name, Katie Hobbs. So let's say she becomes governor and you end up being the attorney general. We have these mixed ticket leadership positions in states across the country. What do you do?
1: I make sure that she's following the constitution. And if she's not, I stop her anyway. She, I can.
0: can. And and so she comes out and says, we're going to do these mass mandates, which I don't think she will, because I think she knows the state she's in, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. Are you able to step in and say, as the attorney general of Arizona, we will not be enforcing any of the silliness out of the governor's office?
1: That's true. And also working with the state legislature as well. And so a governor doesn't get to have emergency powers that override Arizona law. And and, and a lot of times that's what we're seeing. Right. And so, no, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I'm friends with the Oklahoma attorney general and I, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> but all of a sudden you looked over there and he said, don't comply with the federal mandate if you're in the state of Oklahoma. He just flat out said it. The well, attorney general's office is saying, do not. It is not legal. It will not be enforced in Oklahoma. Do not do it.
0: I'll tell you what I'm looking for. And I, I know I talk, you know, I end. Up, I have a lot of friends who we all talk politics together. It's like a, it's our American pastime, right? I. You know, have you ever been to, um, have you ever been to Francis Tavern in New York City by any chance? No. If you go there, it's an amazing place. It's where General Washington resigned this commission and it Summoned all of his offers officers to dinner and the officers from the Revolutionary War showed up and he stood up quietly with trembling lip and uh, resigned his commission and said I want to thank you. I'm sorry that The Congress has not granted the things they said they would for our troops. I love you all. I won't be able to uh, Would each of you please come speak to me before you go? I won't be able to reach all of you independently and, uh, and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And I think about the founding of this country. And I think about the dinners they had there. If you go upstairs, there's a long table. It's maybe 16 or 18 feet long and 20 people would sit there. And Washington regularly ate dinner. He sat at the head of the table there and uh, they would cook up stew for them every night and serve them warm warm grog or ale. And they would have these mugs sitting at their their plates and uh, along the fireplace are pieces of uh, pig iron hanging off leather straps. So pig iron, you know, was Uh, metal rudimentary metal run in little channels of dirt it's got a real nasty shape to it if you hit somebody with one of them you'd put them in the hospital and they called them loggerheads the guys would all be having lager and they would have the server dip the these irons hanging in front of the fire they were smoking hot they would dip them down in your lager to warm your beer up and then they'd hang them back on it. So Washington's having dinner, and the politics would become the conversations were always around the forming of the new nation and what it should be, and he should be king, and blah, 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 blah. And there would, if you ever heard the phrase come to loggerheads, it comes from the fights they had there. These were the <laughs> the generals and the officer cadre who were having the discussions about forming the new nation. And they were so impassioned it would come to loggerheads and Washington would sit back and the guys would grab the pig iron and hit each other in the head with them and the body with them fighting. They were so angry about he should be king or no, it should be a republic and all of these discussions going on. So I basically carry on this tradition. All of my friends, we all talk politics. We used to have this thing, if I were king, you know, we get together every couple of weeks and if I were king and we would all come with what our fix would be. I, when I talk to my friends, you know, if we get to talking about the Your attorney general, Bernovich has made a name for himself, and we feel like you know somebody said, "Craig, you know that I would love to see you be the attorney general." I have no background or desire to do that, but if I were to do it, I would be the biggest burn everybody's side they'd ever had, and that's what I want. You know, you talked, you said something to me earlier. You liked basically being an advocate for people stopping bullies, and the state attorney general's position. It stops bullies in every direction. Yes. And the biggest thing I see, I, for the most part, I don't see overreach of citizens. No. I mostly see citizens, even the ones who are breaking the rules. Usually, they're trying to kind of stay inside the lines. Um. And most of the time, they just need someone. They need to know someone's watching and stop. And Um, the government, it it it. Seems like it has ill intent because it becomes like its own self sustaining prophecy, even when it's wrong, it won't say it's wrong hardly ever. No, it just doubles down on whatever stupid it's doing,
1: right? And here's the thing government cannot do everything for you, government is not God, government is government and should be kept in its place. And you know, one of the things I've learned, you know, in my 53 years. Is when you have a situation with government and you have a situation with citizens, the very first question I always ask and look at is, is the government doing something wrong here? Most people ask, is the citizen breaking the law? And they might be too. But the first thing I ask is, where's their authority? Are they in their lane? Are they acting within that authority? What is the government's role in this? Because we rubber stamp it. and. You know, I'm running, you know, so milli- before, non- you, so before government- you do
0: the colonoscopy, you say, should we even be talking?
1: Should we even be talking? Got because it. and as the Arizona attorney general, you get a really great chance to say everything that goes through that office we are going to look at is what is the government? Is the government right in this? Is the government doing something wrong before we look at citizens? Because we need to be putting citizens first. And I think that we have forgotten that. And, you know, I you know people say, well, you've never worked in government. You want to be attorney general. Yeah, that's exactly why I should be attorney general, right. because I haven't been trained that if the government says it, it must be true, and then it becomes a fact, and we all have to follow it. That is not how America works. Right. And so my job as the attorney general is to protect Arizonans, protect them from cartel, protect them from crime, but mainly protect them from government, whether that be local, city, state, school board, federal, you name it. My job is to be the one that says, okay, what's going on here? And if we find government is in its lane, is not misbehaving and a citizen has a problem, then the next step is how do we figure out how to solve this problem? How can we help get this back into compliance? How can we not ruin your life? And I'm not talking about murderers here. I'm talking about business owners and regular folk and whatnot. And so I think that having that vision of the office is, you know, you, you do everything about the lens that you look at life through. I don't believe that government solves all problems. I think it creates them. I think that Americans are really great at solving problems. Yeah. And I wanna make sure that I keep the government out of their hair so that they can solve those problems. Arizona was built on grit and independence. It was not built on compliance and complacency, and we need to remember that in this state, and we are never going to comply our way back to liberty. You know, the federal government and some state government has taken more power than we have consented to give them. I know I have not consented to a lot of things that they're doing, and I don't know about you, Greg. And so, yeah, exactly, and I feel a lot of people have not consented to this. And, you know, whether it's a bully on a playground or whatever, no one who has power says, geez, the feds are never going to say the state of Arizona or to us as citizens, I know I've taken way more power than I'm supposed to. So here, let me just give it back to you. No, that's not how this is going to work. If we want our state power back, if we want our individual rights back, we have to take it.
0: No, and won't. as
1: attorney general, I use every tool in the toolbox to take our power back
0: I love it, I think uh people forget and um because I've been around enough politicians and I've seen you know i'm this we're the same age, I've seen the government in in action. I think you can st- w- when you have your powers in a state office, you can stick it to the feds mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do. Because they don't have a lot of tools for compliance other than holding back money. And if you're not getting money from them, it starts it's bad egg on their face to punish a state for sticking up for itself. I think too many states attorneys general have a tendency to not realize the power. The power they have. Mm-hmm. Um governors and and states attorneys general, they can tell the government to shove it. And the government can go on national news and say we're taking the money away from the citizens. And, uh, and a lot of times, if you're a Democrat in a state with a Republican governor who just told the feds to shove it and they start taking away money that affects the de- the Democrats still going to side more with the governor because all politics is self-interest.
1: Right. Well, there's also another really interesting thing that I think there's an area of the law developing that should I be attorney general, I would like to work on. And that is, you know, we've had the constitutional authority that, you know, the way laws, real legal authority. Then you kind of have this administrative state that has grown into an absolute monster. But there's a bigger monster out there. And that monster is the federal government takes our money, our our money, citizens money, not state, you and me, Greg and Tiffany's money and through taxes and then in order for us to get it back we have to give up rights that is a coercive version of government that was never right. intended by the federal government that was never and we saw it with uh some of the covid money where they said if Arizona gets covid money then they can't reduce their state taxes <laughs> i would have sued on that immediately because that is beyond just may you have to do this because people it's not federal money it's not government money. It's our money. And for them to take it, we don't have a choice. We have to pay it. Believe me, if you don't pay it, they're going to come get it. And then in order to get that money back or a portion of that money back, we have to hand them constitutional well, rights. Well, if there if there was an area to sue on, that's it.
0: What was shocking about that to me, which I find funny, is uh, the fact that they had to say it means they didn't have to give the money out if so many states don't need the money we have to say you can't wrap this in your budget and drop your taxes because you're okay we didn't need to spend all that money right i mean it was a scam from the get-go and i don't mean the virus was a scam the virus was a real thing we have these viruses that come through and do what they're going to do and as it turns out shutting down the world doesn't stop it as it turns out Sending everybody home from work doesn't stop it. It just ruins entire sectors of our economy. You know, we find when you send home a thousand waiters, a thousand servers, a thousand bartenders at the end of sixty days, a quarter of them find other stuff to do and they don't come back. And now an entire industry is underserved. And you wonder why you can't get a seat in this town to go to dinner. Right. And 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 it's in every business. It's doing everybody that got shut down. It was amazing. What shocked me the last couple of years is just how easily. They just said it, and nobody said a goddamn thing about it. You know, our nobody, they, they shut down Arizona. I told them to pound sand, I got a gate, and I've got guns, and I asked everybody who wants to work, keep working if you want to, and we all kept working. Because I said, hey, you guys, we can all worry about this or not. I'm going to take a vote. Let's see how we go. I don't know about you guys, but I want to pay my mortgage and take care of my family this year. What do you guys want to do? Because you, we can all be on assistance. We chose to stay open and then we got the governor's letter and it 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 gave an exemption for our kind of business but i was just thinking about what did all the businesses do who were considered irrelevant or unimportant
1: and who makes those decisions
0: nobody there's nobody who does because it says in the constitution that they don't have that power. That's the individual's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.
1: And even from a scientific point of view, you know, what we should have been doing is protecting our elderly and putting our resources into that. Right. And we didn't do that. Instead, we, we did this willy-nilly thing, and I would have been happy to have meals delivered to elderly or do whatever to keep those who are truly vulnerable safe. But shutting down businesses, shutting down schools, we're seeing mental health issues in our children. They, they're behind educationally.
0: This will resound for decades. It's the biggest folly in the human experiment, in the human species. There's never been anything like this. The amount of money that's been pulled as debt, that's decreased our savings and our valuation of everything that's all been done under the name of this because of a bunch of chickens who are afraid of their own demise,
1: you know, it's funny when our country was founded, uh, we didn't have penicillin. We had smallpox, measles, mumps, rubellas, scarlet fever, and I'm not making light of COVID. Please don't say that. But at the same time, we cannot government cannot save you from everything. And I think that you know, it it snuck in where you had well just 14 days okay we can stay home 14 days to slow the spread that seems reasonable and
0: i think we're all like okay
1: yeah okay i'll do that as a citizen i'll I'll agree that's not really an authority thing like like, there's no data
0: there but if there's a chance this will work right okay
1: you know and then that's how it kind of slid in and now we're hearing about more no more shutdowns in arizona no more mandates in arizona um people have a right to work people have a right to educate their children people have a right to assemble People have a right, literally a inherent right, to go to church. I mean, these were things that were cut out, and at what detriment? I think that history is going to look back when we have more data, and say, "Oh my goodness, what did they do?"
0: Let me let me ask you. Let's. Uh, I think, I think we have a decent. I think we've got a nice lay of the land. Okay, I think anybody who watches is going to have a decent lay of the land. Well, let me ask you a couple of politics. Um, who do you think, uh, you, you know everybody running for governor? Have you had a chance to meet everybody running at this point?
1: On the Republican side.
0: Okay. Um, who do you think is going to be at the top of the ticket for the Republican ticket Arizona? I'm, this is this I'm is staying the, out. Oh, you're not going to say?
1: I'm not going to say. I'm going to stay out of their race I think, it's gonna, my... I think it's gonna I think it's
0: going to be Kerry. I, I, I'm not saying it because she's got all the chops. I'm not saying it because she's got the issues. I'm not saying for anything other she's got the name recognition and a boatload of momentum. But it's a year out, so we'll see what happens.
1: And I and I just want to make sure that I'm running my race and not, you know, it's, it's just sort of like courtesy to stay out. But I do hope that whoever is at the top of the ticket wins that general. Because Lord help us if it's Katie Hobbs or... Well, Orcs. the
0: reason I was asking you is, you know, there's these... There are a thousand micro opportunities between now and the election to build things that I think would be great for your campaign, build, uh, if if anything, coalition ideas that you can bring to your office and be hitting the ground. You can even be steering. You know, I think the greatest thing for anybody running for office is to steer the narrative before they've even uh, had an election. And uh, by meeting with Sonny Borelli and by meeting with um, Wendy and other people that uh, are uh, from you know, your side of the aisle and proposing things and having them on board with things that you want to do the day you get in office, it it makes you the leadership de facto before you've even gotten there. So let me, I want to ask you some issues.
1: And and that, you know, respecting the governor's uh, candidates, as well as the, you know, state legislature, we have had private conversations to be able to work together.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. At some point, it's. Uh, I understand the discretion that is used during elections. I also a lot of times think there's big political capital and there's an uh, uh, to be gained by people knowing you've got plans and here's what you do day one. Uh, it always frustrates me when I'm... It, at the state level, I'm always frustrated by everybody running because nobody wants to say what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone talks from real broad, broad stroke platitudes. Um, l- let me ask you about some things that affect Arizonans and they're in the news. They're, You know, these aren't just, it's not for my philosophy, uh, schools and col- uh, classes in college. Um, talk to me a little bit about abortion here in Arizona. Um, clearly we've got, uh, Miss- I think it's Mississippi or Alabama is uh, up Mississippi. to this. Mississippi's got a case that may get to, the, or, The Supreme Court looks like they're gonna. I mean, they're they're reviewing it fully, so we could get a ruling that shifts the tide of abortion in America. Here, talk to me a little bit about your place on that. I know a lot of Republicans, especially your older Republicans, are really dialed in on this.
1: So I am absolutely pro life, and uh, here's your legal tip of the of the day: is if (laughs) uh, if they overturn Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. then it goes back to the states where it should have always been to be decided. Arizona has a 1901 territorial, I believe it's 1901, territorial law banning abortion except for the life of the mother. And so I'm sure that, you know, it's a really old law. I'm sure something will be revised, but um, it will be an absolute priority to protect all Arizonans, including the unborn. You know, I do believe, you know, we always have a right to to not have shots, to not take a vaccine, you know, right to choice over our body, but all constitutional rights stop where the other person's constitutional right begins. And I believe that the unborn have a constitutional right to live just like you and I do, that you can't, you can't do that. And so I'm hopeful that we have an Arizona legislature that stands up for life. Um, I also uh, so those laws would be enforced by the Attorney general's office and also hopefully advocate with the other parts of the office, the political, the bully pulpit, that we need to also be honoring life and children, not just oh, we're pro-life, but we are putting in adoption procedures and and, and, and honoring our children and honoring our elderly so that we respect life from, the time of conception until the time of natural death.
0: There is no way a woman in this modern America has gotten through law school and not thought about this topic. Uh, It affects us all. I had Justice
1: Rehnquist, who was the chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, taught my my third year law school. He taught a history of the Supreme Court, and so I was one of the few pro-life people at my school mm-hmm. at U of A, and but we had to walk through the the pro-abortion protesters every single day to get to class. It was a nightmare, but anyway, um, so because Renquist was there and he was a very pro-life justice, um, it it just fueled it. And you know, it I really like this Dobbs case because I remember my third year of law school reading Roe v. Wade and Casey. And even if you, regardless of the abortion issue, mm-hmm. the legal reasoning on that thing was a penumbra. It, it was just, it was like they just went off the rails to right. get to the conclusion that they wanted to do. Right. And I remember raising my hand in class and saying, I don't understand this, <laughs> <laughs> and just getting flayed. And I said, But you still didn't explain to me how we legally get to this conclusion. And, you know, sometimes when you're the only one and you're from a rural community, you're like, well, maybe I don't get it. I'm still pro-life, but maybe I don't get that. You know, I didn't learn to spin baloney out of clear meaning, I guess. But reading the Dobbs briefs and listening to um, the case... I thought I'm not the only one that just thought this was a really bad ruling, and right. this should be left up to the states. And I don't even know how the court got there, except they just they picked the answer and figured out how to get there. And that's not what the that's not interpreting the law.
0: So, so you know that the problem with Roe v. Wade, it, on, honestly for me, it was never the decision. It was that it was built on a it was built on sand. And yeah. And so if the if the if the country decides makes these decisions over time you know it's a democracy and and i yield to the decision of the greater good and i i hope that it's right and if not then i can protest and buck the system and yell online when it's not but you know that's so be it um talk, i i guess there's some nuance to abortion and we have to talk to young women that we want to vote uh, my daughter's going to be voting in her first election hey. and She's not, you know, we're not a go-to-church-every-Sunday family. We, um, you know, we don't have that clear black-and-white life anti-abortion perspective. I'm not saying we're pro-choice either. I'm just saying it's not black-and-white because Pastor Bob told us so on Sunday for the last 20 years. There's a whole group of women who are coming to their first election, and when they hear people speak— so black and white about something that is going to affect them as they head off to college potentially or as it it it's ta- it's affecting one of the things that affects their demographic the most what's ironic to me about the abortion debate is it's a bunch of 50 and 60 year olds screaming about something that 20 and 30 year olds are affected by and we alienate people that should be in our party because they still have young views on things so are there Is there any other, uh, in cases of rape and incest, and is there a list of exceptions where you're like, hey, look, these are heavy duty things that are not black and white? Or is it all 100%? Can you give me a little nuance so that my 16 year old, 17 year old is going to watch this? And it's going to ask me about it right. and, and others who's, I mean, there are young women that are all voting, half the new voters are going to be women uh, ostensibly. Uh, they want this nuance and it's a challenging thing for young women because when I talk to young women about this, unless they're regular churchgoers, they're very protective of these things that they've been brainwashed to think are their rights.
1: Right. So I think, you know, they've sold abortion that it is this great right that has no consequences to it. And, you know, most of the time you may or may not know you're pregnant till six weeks where there's a heartbeat. You're literally stopping a human heartbeat, which in any other scenario would be taking a life. Right. Understood. And so, you know, um, I think that the science tells us this isn't a bundle of cells anymore. This isn't the 70s with the 4D ultrasound. So I'm taking it out of the religious realm of, you know, and I am a Christian and I do believe that abortion is wrong. But when you look at the science of it, but I also know that I would be really interested to share with those, with that demographic. When there are, and yes, there can be gray exceptions of rape and yeah, says ba- mother. What if the baby's their uncle's? Right, or or severely, you know, you don't want to abort Down syndrome, but can't survive outside. You know, there's there's always scenarios that way, but I think we're treating abortion in this country like it's going to get, you know,
0: like some, it's a boil.
1: Like it's a boil, and it's not. <laughs> and you know, I think that these women need to be educated that. You know this situation you're in is very very difficult right now Mm -hmm. but there's so much trauma to women who have had an abortion that they have to live with for the rest of their life that you know and and i believe that they should that there's grace but that they put on themselves that they have to live with the rest of their lives that it's not just something where you go down and get an outpatient you know quickie thing that this is a really big decision and it makes me wonder when the pro-abortion uh, people don't want an ultrasound, don't want counseling beforehand. And so, you know, would it be so wrong to have a society that requires counseling or at least that person to know what they're doing? And also, that's why I mentioned a little bit about that we provide options for life. We can't yeah. just say we're pro-life. I, I live in a community where if a girl gets pregnant and she's from a poor family what, what do they do? Where do they even get a job? Like literally like go hungry kind of situations. We can't say that that is a choice. We have to choose life as a society to give women the choice to carry out that pregnancy and know that they or that child will be taken care of that. You know what I mean? We don't value it past that. And that really bothers me. And also we, and I feel like I'm going to speak as a Christian here, we cannot talk about abortion without talking about grace And that that is always a hard decision for a woman. And that there's always going to be grace there. Do I believe abortion should be legal personally? No. Um, You know, this on demand, pain capable, born alive. I mean, this is, I mean, at what age can I, my kids get on my nerves? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We can just do this. We
0: we alienate the other side of the discussion so often when we are black and white and the re, and it's, and I understand being black and white morally, but um, it's still when, if we, if we don't leave room on the other side of the argument a little bit, they're off instantaneously. And, and, uh, you know, Socrates was always about placing the argument in front of the person and leave them enough room to step forward and step back. And, and maybe they can learn from you. Right. Uh, when we look at, I'll give you a quick anecdote. So, uh, my girlfriend in college, uh, one of her best, her best friend, oh, I don't want to say, how do I say this? A a friend of a friend um, whose boyfriend was out of the picture, ended up being pregnant, and she scheduled herself an abortion and had no one to take her. And I, not everybody had a car. I had a car. I said, hey, I'll take you. And we talked on the way there, and she went and had an abortion. And, you know, I sat outside, you know, just a friend, and I was like, I was... I was fucking distraught about it, mm-hmm. but I—it was because I didn't know—I, you know, it wasn't—I wasn't—I didn't have skin in the game, but I was distraught about it. And she came out, and it bonded us in a funny kind of way because nobody else knew it about her except me. And I kept—we kept in contact for years, and she, I would always get as social media popped up, I would get a little hello on that date, mm. and never uh, went away. That ripple that gets put in that pond doesn't go away, and I think young pe- young people don't understand that the repercussions of having what oftentimes ends up being the greatest gift of their life, even if it's not comfortable circumstances, right? The undoing of it is a is a ringing of a bell that haunts you,
1: and you can't take it back. And so you know we've had uh, legislation proposed, and you see it in other states, since it's, it's fought in the courts that it's an undue burden on women wanting to have an abortion but would have counseling been so bad would have right. making that decision why, at least why is even, being
0: informed bad
1: why is being informed bad and e- it's even not if like, it's
0: still gonna happen right
1: instead of it's like you took me to get my teeth cleaned you know what i'm saying right. i didn't have a ride and because it's it's kind of like you know i'm a big 2 A person i'm a shooting instructor and love guns and but i always say you can't take a bullet back and right. an abortion is the same thing. You right. cannot take it back. And so, yes, I'm pro life. Yes, it is pretty black and white for me, but I'm also very pro, you know, pro life of the mother. And I don't mean life as in just the physical life, I mean the entire woman to make sure that they are making the right decision, that they have the support they need, that they know that there's other options, and that maybe they can talk to women who have been in your friend's place to say, you know what? You're not going to get over it in a month. Right. Hey, it's gonna hey be... this is
0: going to miss up your year of school and it's going to be a rough few years here, but uh, you're going to be okay. So, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting. I love this format because if you hear politicians or candidates voice their opinion about things, it's the same sound bits. It's hard to distill such a deep uh, mm. topic that's been... Haunting us since 1970, right? Or 19? When was Roe v. Wade? Was that 73 or 70?
1: I think it was 73. I'm not sure. It's,
0: it's been, it's really been haunting and tormenting the country's soul, and uh, and and there are very few formats where you can sit and get into nuance and talk about it with a little more. I think the ability to flesh out the conversation stops alienating my 16, 17 year old daughter who's going to vote in the next election because they start to see the other other side of the discussion, that it's not just holy rolling.
1: Right. Well, here's the thing about, you know, just the Supreme Court making that decision, (laughs) which is what they did, is it stopped the debate, it stopped the discussion. And if you return it to the states and return it to the people to decide, now you have to have those discussions, don't you?
0: It's just like the Arizona dust problem and the EPA. It's just like the porous opinion of Washington. That's destroying the border. It's just like our porous, uh, uh, approach to energy. That's crippling American families trying to get to work these days. It's this one size fits all federal tyranny. And, uh, and you know what, if California wants abortion, then uh, they should pass that law. And if they want to fund it, let them deal with the moral ramifications of it. If Arizona uh, finds a, some sort of middle ground because it's a more centrist population and it extends the permissibility a little bit, uh, and if Texas says zero, none at all, and Alabama and Mississippi say zero, uh, the, and then what happens is there are anecdotal cases of people who get caught in the lurch of their state's opinions, right? Um, right
1: but you know what's great about 50 states having 50 different laws it, it's not a bad thing because it becomes experiments because you get to you see, can see what works you can see what works and, and what, what didn't and yeah. what doesn't but when you have one federal law right it's just I think it's, it's draconian it is. And so you almost get an experimental lab of this state has these laws and this is working and this state doesn't. And then a lot of times states will look to other states and say, you know, our policy is not working here. Let's adopt what, you know, New Mexico did or Colorado or or, or whatever, whatever state we like, Florida. Um, and so I think we miss out on the lab of the policy lab.
0: We miss the marketplace of ideas competing for we each do. other. And so what we do with it, with federal dictum is we crush the individual spirit of creativity that is the backbone of our country at every level. It doesn't matter if it's abortion or the border. We have solutions. There is somebody, every state, if you watched 50 smart people that all hustle their asses for a year to get elected and they actually, instead of owning issues and policies, solve problems, you see amazing things happen. So, you know, I, I think it's part of my big, I think the most important thing we do is shine big spotlights on what's happening the people that are looking to get in power the people that are in power uh and uh and look at the results and i see in a country we're the we're more educated than we've ever been and we're dumber than we've ever been because we've uncoupled observable empirical analysis of our theories and we go with a theory and double down on it to prove ourselves right in the future and it's not the way to move our culture forward we haven't fit intellectualism into the american experiment very well
1: no and, and i i lay a lot of that actually at the left's indoctrination in our schools to get rid of critical thinking mm-hmm. you know i think it's better that at an age appropriate age that children read original sources from all thoughts not bubble wrapping like you know we actually homeschooled our kids i had them read everything from de Tocqueville to marxism because if you don't read it, you don't know what it is. And I truly believe that American constitutional ideals can hold, they will hold up against any other theory of government. And, you know, but we don't wanna raise people that just check the box, go along. We want them to question things. I think Jefferson said, you know, to question everything. And, you know, our young do question, we want our young people questioning right. everything because they keep everything fresh and new, and maybe there would be a better way to do this, you know? And so, you know, we're, we're taking that away from the young by, you know, worrying about filling out little bubbles on a test instead of thinking about deep thoughts and things that they can kind of try on while they're young and, and giving a lot of information and teaching them how to sift through it to come to their own conclusions because that's really what makes a healthy democratic republic.
0: You know, um, it's been a pleasure sitting and talking with you. Uh, As anybody listening decides they want to chip into your campaign, how do they do that?
1: They can go to my website, which is shed, S-H-E-D-D, it's like the one in your backyard, but it's fancy with two D's, for, F-O-R-A-Z. A Z is in zebra, like the state.com, shedforaz.com.
0: Okay. And uh, you've got, uh, this is the beginning of a journey. I hope uh, uh, as you uh, get towards election day, I hope, uh, and if at any time between now and then you feel like you want to reach back out and sit down and talk again, we'd love to have you come back. I have enjoyed seeing the evolution of candidates from the very, very beginning to that point when they've kind of made it to prime time and it's election day because there's a big journey and a honing that happens. Oh, yeah. um, I think, you know, me just sitting from the outside, uh, you've got the right mindset. You've got the right, um, I, I I like your thought approach to dealing with these big struggles between the state and, and the federal. Um, and I think, you know, being able to relay that message to skeptical dudes who are drinking a budweiser while they're watching the news um because we need we need a hard ass in 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 there even if they're a nice mom that goes to church she's got to be a hard ass i'm definitely that (laughs) well well, that's what we need we need somebody who's going to be willing to stick it to the man because that's what the attorney general can do they can stick it to the man and the man is the fed overreaching its place Sometimes it's the state overreaching its place. I've had the state overreach.
1: Oh, absolutely. And we can really do a lot about that at the attorney general's office.
0: And it costs a lot of money to stiff arm that. And I've had them do it to me personally.
1: I have too. And you know, here's the thing. You know, if you know what you believe and why you believe it, it gives you strength to stand up. And even if the rest of the world is not standing with you, and the Attorney General's office, you don't have fifty congressmen in your caucus. You don't. If you're a judge, you have the other judges. You were literally standing in the breach, and uh, you had asked another candidate what their their uh, weaknesses were and their strengths. Which I thought you were going to ask me that, and you didn't. But I and I don't know if this this I've been told this I was is getting my into my
0: hero section. This That's is nasty. my
1: uh, difficult that I am difficult one-wayed, stubborn in particular. Those were my downsides. And I thought, now being difficult is pretty good for being an attorney general of Arizona because you come toward my state and I want want the feds to say, you know, we were going to do stuff in Arizona, but we're going to go mess with Texas because Arizona is just too ornery.
0: I like it. You know, do you listen to Jordan Peterson at all?
1: No, I don't. If
0: you get a chance, you absolutely should. And he's a clinical psychologist that has captured the uh, international Western mind of the 20 to 45 year old male. Uh, clinical psychologist out of Canada, soft spoken intellectual. And he says, you know, one of the most important things is to be disagreeable. Yeah, it's one of the things I counsel women on in their professional tracks be disagreeable. That is why it's to be disagreeable in the, in in the professional capacity because disagreeable is where you can make change and affect your voice. Right. And I hope you go do that. I hope I wish you all the, all the luck in the world. And uh we need somebody, I wish you luck in this race, and uh we need somebody to get there and win and earn it and then when they get there just be a baller and lead because an attorney general from Could the smallest so state in the unit in the union can make a lot of noise.
1: Oh, we can make a lot of noise. And
0: when you make noise, you make space for other people to make noise who are a little afraid to speak and Absolutely. you give permission for the body to step up and say no. And, right. And and that's what I want so much.
1: Me too. And the attorney general's office can do it um, you know even in a in with a weak governor a strong attorney general can take that position. If you get a strong governor, great, but um, it absolutely can. And I think that the office has the gravitas to do it. And I think people are going to have to decide whether they want an attorney general that has been in the Arizona model that kind of just enforces the law and goes along, I am not that person. If you want somebody that will not upset the apple cart and enforce the laws as written and won't work with the legislature, I'm not your girl because I want to go and really not even hold the line. I want to push, I want to play offense to make sure that not only does Arizona stay one of the freest, greatest states, that we go back to where we were and that we lead the charge. Florida should not be leading the charge. God bless him for doing so. Arizona should be leading the it charge. It pisses
0: me off to no end because we have so much at stake, and we don't really have the industrial uh, might that Florida does. You know, clear, clearly it's one of the largest economies in the country, but we have the voice, and we're on the border, and we can be, we could be holding up a saber right now, and it drives me insane that our governor has sat back letting staffers take questions instead of really doing what DeSantis has done which is take charge and you can lead the whole country from one little corner it's amazing
1: you know we don't have a lot of industrial stuff here but Arizonans have a lot of grit I mean we look at Phoenix or the Phoenix metropolitan area a great city built in a really terrible place. We don't have water. It's really hot. We have it doesn't to make any sense. No, at all. and we did it built on these crazy leadership ideas of like the Central Arizona Project, the S R P system. We are innovators. We um, figure out how to do things, and we might be a bit honry and contentious down here, but I like it, yeah,
0: me and too. I like
1: that little L libertarian that runs in in the Arizona spirit of no, I'll figure it out. I can do it myself. Like I will figure this out. Arizonans can figure it out, and so what we lack in industrial might we make up for in grit. I mean, John Wayne, he became who he was modeling after Hanging out here. here. Yeah, Yeah. We were yeah. the inspiration and we need to remember what we lack in resources. We've never had them. We, we make up for in spirit and grit because nobody came to Arizona because of the reasons other states did. They came for religious freedom. They came because they were literally outlaws who were going to go to jail or be hung. I mean, we were built on this mishmash of people that really the only thing they had in common was leave us alone and let us do our thing and we'll build a great state.
0: I know. I love this state. I, I love I mean, it I'm, too. I'm a native. My dad's a native. My uh, grandfather was a was a cop in Chandler and a waterman and uh i just love this state i love everything about it and i love going around america i've been all over america just a crazy amount of places flying and driving and seeing america and on the american landscape i love this dusty hard scrabble me too mountains in the distance squinty eyed naysayers who call bullshit yeah i just i love it out here
1: i do too and, yeah. I, and you know i also love that You know you watch all the woke and whatever going on in the rest of the country which has been infiltrating into arizona arizona we've always had a different history it was so hard to live here we didn't have time for that stuff and so we've always been a diverse state of you know my neighbor may not be my cup of tea but you know if my barn burns down he'll come help me and it's really none of my business we'll still get along yeah and i love that that spirit of you do you I'll do me, let's just keep government out of the way and we'll work it out.
0: See, you know how they say on the license plate says the Grand Canyon State? I I have been joking for years. It should be the F U and leave me alone. State.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny because my staff, like some new issue will come up, and they're like, I wonder where Tiffany is on it. And then it starts to be this joke of her 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 first stance is going to be leave us alone, and then figure <laughs> out the policy from there. But. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, absolutely pleasure meeting you, and I hope we get to see you again uh, yeah, while absolutely. you're on the campaign trail. You'll be coming through Maricopa County and Phoenix. Which oh yeah, we are have an of office times.
1: up here actually in Tempe.
0: Okay. Well, I listen. I wish you the best of luck and. Uh, uh, if there's ever anything we can do for you, let us know. And we'd love to have you come back and talk All again right. with us sometime. Thank I you hope so you had much. fun.
1: I did. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Great. Well, pleasure. All
0: right, All right sports fans. So uh, we're going to wrap up the show now. Uh, Tiffany's got uh, other, other politicking things she's got to go do. She, um, she's got a big dance to do Hat and Cane for the next 11 months to get elected. And we're uh, I got to go back out and make knives in the factory. So thanks, everybody, for stopping in. Check us out. Facebook, Instagram, Rumble, The Greg Medford Show. I'm out.